So then I was pregnant again in year, like, what am I in year two of my business at that point? And that wound up being a high risk pregnancy. I was on bed rest for four months and like basically blew my whole business up like to the next level because I was literally in bed with a laptop all day, every day. Cause I couldn't do anything. Like literally it was like legit bed rest where you can get out to use the bathroom and that's pretty much it. You're listening to the MILF Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the milfiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, and sexuality, and everything in between. I'm Jennifer Tracy, your host. Couple items of business. Welcome to April. I don't know how it's already April, but it is. And last month for March, I chose the charity of She Rises. And this month is Children's Defense Fund, a beautiful organization. They've been around for a long, long time. And if you want to check them out, you can go to my website, milfpodcast.com and look at my giving page. There's a nice graphic there and then you can click on it and it'll take you directly to their website. If you want to donate to them directly, please do. If you would like to write a review on iTunes for Milf Podcast, every iTunes review for the month of April, I will donate $25 to Children's Defense Fund. So check that out. Also, I'm doing uh, this kind of cool thing. I decided to give away a three-week class. Um, I coach writers. I, I may have mentioned that. So I wrote this workbook and I'm giving it away for free. Uh, you just have to go to my podcast and kind of opt in for it. Not kind of opt in, opt in. Uh, there's like a little pop-up. It says unlocked 21 day creative challenge. And there's an old timey typewriter there. You'll see it. And you just put in your email and your name and you'll be sent a link with a download link for the workbook. And then there'll be like a little course uh, over the next couple weeks. So join me in that. It's going to be really fun. Um, Along with that, my website is done. My new website, jennifertracy.com. So if you're interested and you want to see what I do with writers, pop on over to that. All right, that's it. Those are all my items of business for today. So today's guest is Rachel Rogers. Rachel Rogers is a total badass baller MILF. She is an intellectual property lawyer who's also a business coach. So her company, Hello7, works with women who want to take their six-figure businesses and turn them into seven-figure bigness. 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 Yes, exactly. Bigness. Um, Seven-figure businesses. And she's done that incredibly successfully for seven years. So yeah, she's awesome. And let's see. So I really loved my conversation with Rachel. We had to meet on the interweb because she lives in North Carolina. Um, But we did that and it was really great. I got to see her beautiful face. Thank you. Thanks to technology. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation. I really did. Okay. I'll talk to you guys after. Hi, Rachel. Hello. I'm so glad to talk to you. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad to connect with you. This is really exciting. Yay. So can we start from the beginning? Where are you from? I'm from Flushing, Queens in New York City. (laughs) Yeah. New York girl. I love it. Yes, definitely. So you were a city kid. Yes, I was. And the funny thing is I live in the country now and now I'm like a country girl. Like I can't Uh live in a city. And in fact, 
if I go visit like LA or New York, if I'm there too long, I start to get depressed. Like literally after five days, I'm like, get me out of here. Like I need, I need nature or water or something. Yeah. I think because, you know, sometimes being a mom and also a business owner, like life is intense enough. Yeah. I want my surroundings, my environment to be like super chill vibes. Oh, you know, <laughs> I'm with you. I was in traffic. I I live in LA and I was in traffic yesterday going, getting to my son's basketball game, which was across town. It took me an hour and a half to get there. I missed most of the game. And then I had to drive all the way back because I had a meeting at 645 PM. Ugh. And I just thought this is, there's gotta be a better way. Like it's, it's just gotten, I mean, I hate to talk about LA traffic as a topic, but it, <laughs> but it circles back to what you're saying about like, I live right in the middle of the city. I live in West Hollywood and I'm at an age and a place in my life where I'm like, I think I need something different. I won't move out of LA, but I think I need to move where there's more trees and mm-hmm. tranquility you know, yeah, of some kind. Dirt. And I think, yes. <laughs> and, dirt. And, and LA, I do feel like you can get a lot of different landscapes, yes. you know? Yes. So like you yes. could go high and be on a mountain somewhere yes. or, you know, closer to the beach, you yeah. know? So I think, yeah. I definitely think you've got options there. Yes. It's available. <laughs> so, okay. So you grew up in Queens and then I'm just going to fast forward through a little bit of your childhood, but, um, did you have siblings growing up? Yes. I have one, my sister, Angela, who okay. is still like my best friend and also Aww. huge pain in the ass. And I love her. <laughs> of course. Siblings are that they are both. Um, <laughs> Always. and does she live in New York still? Yeah, she lives in New Jersey, right outside of New York. So okay. whenever I'm in New York, I, I see her. So I just saw her uh, a couple of weeks ago when I went to oh, New York for the weekend. So yeah, we see each other probably more than we did when we both lived like 20 minutes away, just because right. we just both have crazy busy lives. And so now we actually make time to see each other, like schedule yes. it, you know? Yes, yes. And then it's a nice concentrated amount of time. Yes. Um. So you grew up there and then you... Went to law school. Yes. And that was always way ahead, but it was always the plan. Okay. Yeah. And why was that? Because your parents were into like, wanted you to go through academics or what, what was that? No. Okay. (laughs) Well, I mean, my father also did definitely put a, you know, an emphasis on education. Mm -hmm. I remember we would get our report cards, like it would be like report card day and Mm -hmm. we'd get home from school, me and my sister, and we'd kind of like line up. And my sister would go first and hand over her report card and either get praise or get reprimanded, <laughs> maybe a little bit of both. Right. Um, but I was a huge nerd. So I always, you know, got mostly praise. Um, so I would come and like, you know, he'd be in his recliner and I'd be like handing over my report card. Like, what do you think of that? You know? <laughs> yeah. Although there was always remarks that I talked too much. That was... That was the challenge. I always was a pain in the ass for the teachers because I talked way too much. And I'm like, look, now I talk for a living. See? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're very social. Are you a Gemini by chance? When's your no, birthday? I'm an Aquarius. February oh, 16th. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That too. Yeah. Oh, you just had a birthday. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, okay. So it was always the plan for you to go to law school. Your plan. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I decided at 
eight years old. I think you I was did? my mom used to watch courtroom dramas all the time. Like that was her favorite genre of entertainment. Yeah. And so I would watch and, you know, the lawyers were always like the heroes in the movies. Um, uh-huh. And they were like, you know, standing up for the little guy. And I was like, I, I want to do that. And I was already uh-huh. doing that. Honestly, I remember many times in my youth standing up to bullies and my friends being like, will you walk with me? Or like, you know, will you say something fully for me? You know, I was always that loudmouth kid that just had no fear for whatever reason, or just had courage. I wouldn't say I had no fear because I definitely had times where I was scared. Yeah. But I was just always willing to be like, no, this is unacceptable. So can you tell me one story from your childhood where you stood up to a bully for yourself or for someone else? Yeah, it was actually for someone I didn't even know. We were all, you know how like school lets out and all the kids are going, you know, in their separate ways. But like I had a route that I walked where, you know, three quarters of the route I was with a, a bunch of kids, like yeah. everybody was going in that direction. Um, And, you know, so I'm walking with some friends and I don't even remember what grade I was in, but I was pretty young. I mean, I still remember it like vividly. I could see it now. It's crazy. But it must have been like probably maybe third grade or something like that. And or maybe fourth grade, somewhere in there. And we're walking home and this kid, these two kids were like had this other younger kid who was probably in my grade. And these guys were probably like sixth graders, maybe even seventh graders. Right. Which mm-hmm. like seemed so big and huge. Yeah. Right. To yeah. A third grader. Um, but anyway, they had him up against a wall and they were like telling him, like, give us your backpack or something like that of his mm. that they wanted to take. And all these kids are just walking by, letting it happen. Mm. And I'm going with my friends and then like a couple of kids sort of crowd around to like watch. And I was like, no, don't do that. Like, stop that. And yeah. I started yelling at them. And then they like turned towards me and probably were pretty surprised that like, who's this yeah. little you know, tiny little thing, like <laughs> she thinks she is. Yeah. <laughs> and I just yelled at them. And like, I even pushed one away a little bit. And then other kids started getting involved. And, you know, like we were all like yelling at them and then they, they ran off. So, and then, you know, somebody was walking with a parent like across the street and then the, the parents came over, you know, yeah. and they ran yeah. off when they saw yeah. like was an adult nearby. But yeah, that was just one incident. But there were so many like that. I mean, I don't even remember them all. It's that bad. And it was all through like junior high school, high school even. First of all, there's a lot of fighting in New York City schools when at least when I was growing up, like, you know, kids fight over the stupidest things. And, you know, there's a lot of jealousy that can happen or kids just want to, you know, they say they meet me after school, blah, blah, blah. And I'd always be like, I'll see you there, you know? We're a scrapper. I love it. I was. And I mean, I would be literally terrified, but they would never know it. Like I would never let them know it. And I would show up. And sometimes a lot of times they wouldn't, you know, a lot of times just standing up for yourself is actually enough. Like if you just show yourself as somebody who's willing to fight back, people back off. And so that happened a lot of times. But I definitely had some fights, too. I mean, quite a few. (laughs) So... Like knockdown, drag out, like fist fights, like fist fights. Yes. Wow. Boys, girls. Well, and what I love about your story, one of the many things I love about it is that you were a younger girl standing up to these boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's you like know, these basically bigger boys. story yeah. of my life. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I mean, it's us against the patriarchy, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, I love that. So you were a leader from a young age, it sounds like. You, you, yeah, that was, just came to you organically. Yeah. I remember even getting into a fight over my sister one time, like literally a fist fight, because some girl threatened her and like threw a glass of water or something at her. And I was like, hell no. So I picked up something. I don't even remember what it was and threw it at her <laughs> in response. And she probably didn't expect that because she was staring at my yeah. sister. She didn't see yeah. me, you know, on the side there. And then the girl like came to my house after the event happened. She came to my house and rang the bell and was like, come outside. And I was like, okay, put on my sneakers, went downstairs. <laughs> and this woman was, she was older than me significantly. Uh -huh. And me and her were fist fighting in the lobby of my building. <laughs> And where were your parents when this was happening? You know, my mom, I think she was upstairs in my apartment. She probably didn't know what was happening. Or I think she must have gotten wind of it and eventually made her way downstairs. And that's probably when it stopped. Um, <laughs> but I mean, there was this is like it's epic. just commonplace. This, this is, is just inner city drama. Yes. Got and it. it's and it honestly, you know, like all uh, there are a lot of my friends, my husband, even they have way scarier stories. You know, yeah. I remember I was telling this to my therapist one time and she was like, <laughs> her eyes were all big as I was like un unpacking all of these stories from my child. She's like, holy crap. Yeah. I'm like, this is like so normal where I come from. Like, yeah. I don't think of it as like, oh, poor me. I was bullied. You know, right. like that's not what I think yeah. of at all. In fact, it makes me feel a little bit empowered because I was always standing up for myself. And like yeah. there were, you know, pretty much all the fights I had, almost all of them were with people that were bigger than me because they yeah. thought that they were going to intimidate me. And I was just yeah. like, I'm not having it. You got the right one today. <laughs> I love it. So, um, so yeah. And, and that's sort of, and I think that's just like, that's just how I roll in general. Anyway, I think that there's something in me that always just was like about, I guess, justice in some way. And, yeah. you know, like not letting people take advantage. I don't know. It probably comes from my dad, but I'm just kind of like, nope, not having it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And so then you went to law school and what was your focus in law school? Um, in law school, my focus was becoming a lawyer. <laughs> so <laughs> I really, I really had no idea what kind of law I wanted to practice. I mean, okay. I think I thought I would work for a nonprofit or something. And I remember after my first year of law school, my sister sitting me down and being, and she had me actually meet her. And like a friend of hers was like a neighbor, an older woman, older black woman who, um, I don't know if she was an attorney, but she was like a professional and very successful woman of some kind. I can't remember all the details, but they took me to lunch and they were like, we want to talk to you about how you need to make money, you know, <sighs> um, which is hilarious. Like who I am now. <laughs> what you basically do know on a huge <laughs> level for women that's hysterical back then I was like no I just want to you know yeah. work for a nonprofit and help people yeah and they were like honey you need to get this money you know yeah. so then once I had that conversation I was kind of I was like all right let me think about that um and then you know as my law school loans piled up I remember at the end like your last semester of law school they like they put you all like all the people who are about to graduate in a room and then they hand out like basically a piece of paper with how much you owe now <laughs> based on your student loans oh my god uh, and it's really it's pretty horrifying and I was like holy crap like I don't think I was I don't know and I bet you this happens to a lot of law students because you're just so focused on like I gotta get the grades 
I got to do the internships. I got to interview sure. for the jobs. I was flying all over the country interviewing at various firms. Like you're just so trying to make the things that you're supposed to happen happen. You're trying to check all the boxes and it's not easy. It's very competitive. So that you're not even thinking about how much it's cost you like this three years of law school has cost you. Um, and I had scholarship money too. Like I had wow. scholarships every year and it still yeah. was an enormous sum. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna need a job, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna need to get this money. Yeah. So yeah, so I clerked for a judge for a year. And then after that, I actually started my own practice. But I really was like, I need to figure out law firm or something else. Um, but I have to figure out a way to pay off these damn loans. You know, I have to, first of all, now I'm in the hole. So how do I get back to zero? And then yeah. once I get back to zero, how do I, you know, build from there? So yeah. I, I, you know, and I always was going to be somebody that helped people, but I needed to find a way to make it work for me too. And so you started your own law firm and how old were you when you did that? I mean, a year after law school? Yeah. So I must That's have been, impressive. what am I? I'm in year nine. Of I started my practice in 2010. So how old was I then? <laughs> I was 28. I was 28 okay. when okay. I started my law practice. Yeah. So it was wow. right after I, I clerked. I went to law school, clerked for a judge for a year. Um, and you it's only one year and then they kick you out after because they have another law clerk coming in. And it's a very, you know, it's a prestigious, you know, experience. Um and it's usually a good, you know, I had several job offers from that clerkship, but I didn't want any of them because to be honest, law school was a little bit traumatic for me. And once it was done, I was just kind of like, I think I'm done with these people, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm also yeah. done suffering for this profession. So I have to do it in a way that's going to work for me that allows me to be myself and be free. And if I can't do that, then I can't be a lawyer. So might as well find that out now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so by the time I finished that clerkship, I was starting my practice. And what kind of clients were you getting at your practice? Well, uh, what, what I, kind of cases? I'm sorry. I, what I did was I just emailed, you know, like basically everyone that I know, every coworker, every law school classmate, my parents, friends, my aunts and uncles, <laughs> like everybody I know, wound up being like about a hundred people, um, and said, Hey, I'm starting a law practice. Here's the kind of work that I do. If you need this kind of help or know anyone that does, please let me know. And through that, I got my first three clients, which were all entrepreneurs. And so I was like, okay, I'll serve entrepreneurs done, you know? Uh, so yeah, so I was doing, I was doing mostly transactional work, you know, like forming businesses, drafting contracts for licensing deals and things like that. One of my um, friends bought a hair salon, so I drafted the contract for that transaction. Um, so it was just things like that, forming businesses um, and, and that kind of thing. And how long after you started this firm did you start to formulate the idea for your current company? You know, it's interesting because I was only probably a year into practicing law when I had the way that I did it was unique. So I, I didn't want a brick and mortar business. I didn't want to have like an off a physical office because I didn't want to be stuck anywhere. I had just spent like four years in college, three years in law school. I wanted to be free. Um, and to give you an example, like when all of my classmates were taking the bar, I was in Thailand with my husband, my brand new husband um, backpacking for three weeks mm. <laughs> or actually, no, sorry, seven weeks, seven weeks in Thailand. We went to Hong Kong. 
Um, and we were just like traveling for, for like almost two months. So, and then I took the bar in January instead of doing it in July when all of my classmates were doing it. So anywho, I have a rebellious nature, as you can see. Yes, I love it. <laughs> like everybody's doing that. Fuck that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so anywho, um, <clears throat> yeah, so I think about a year into my practice, what happened was I, I created a virtual law office. So I was practicing online and there was like this new software that allowed you to have basically like bank level security in your conversations with clients, right? And that's probably pretty commonplace now, but back then that was like pretty new. Um, and so I, you know, used this technology and was like, I'm going to start a practice and live anywhere that I want. So we actually moved to California at that time. We were living in San Luis Obispo for about a year. Um, and we moved around a lot those, those years. And during that whole time, I was running my practice, same set of clients, because it was all transactional. It didn't need to be in person and I didn't have to show up to court. So it worked out. And because I was doing that, um, and because it was a unique way to practice law, I got a ton of press. So I got some like really nice national media. And because of that, you know, all these attorneys were following me and they would say like, hey, teach us how to do like how to set up a virtual law practice like you have. And so, you know, one of my um, friends who was like a mentor to me, Pam Slim, um, she wrote the book Escape from Cubicle Nation. And she wrote another book, Body of Work. But she was somebody who like was a mentor to me. And so she said to me, um, all these people are coming to you. You need to collect some money, you know? <laughs> I love that that's a theme in your life. Women coming to you and being like, uh, girlfriend, you need to get paid. (laughs) We need more of that. I mean, I wish I would have had more of that. Yeah. Yes. And now I'm that woman. (laughs) Yes, you are. Yes, you are. So, um, yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start charging for this. So I would charge like whatever, a consultation fee, a couple hundred bucks. If somebody wanted to talk to me and I would just basically talk to them, get on the phone with them and tell them everything that I did. And then, you know, this Pam came back to me again and was like, why don't you create a course or a program? If all these people are coming to you, they can all do a program. And I was like, oh, I can create my own course. And I took her class. You were teaching me basically how to create a class because she's an instructional designer. So I learned like, how do you create a course? Um, And so I figured that out and I launched a course like how to set up a virtual law practice. And I had 37 lawyers sign up for this class. Um, So I was always so I say all that to say while I was building my, you know, while I was practicing law and building my law practice. Even then, I was also still teaching other people about how to start businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't clear to me that I needed to be like that I was a business coach or that I should be or could be a business coach until probably like six years later. And in fact, Liz, speaking of Liz Denery Sanders, who we both love, she actually, I met her in my first year of practicing law. We both went to an event that was run by Pam Slim and totally hit it off. And she was saying to me, you know, like you need to create, you know, a course or something where people can like learn how to do this legal stuff and you can make a bunch of money from it without actually like giving over your time. So she told me to do that years before. And then, Mm. of course, I didn't until, you know, like what you do with all good advice, you wait four years to accept it. (laughs) Totally. Totally. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) So and then when did you have so you have you have three kids with your husband and then you have a a step son. Am I getting that right? A stepdaughter. Sorry. Okay. So you have four kids. Yes. Um, so you started on that journey somewhere in the middle of all that. 
you yeah. started having babies. Yeah. So, you know, I had my stepdaughter who, you know, lived with us at times and she'd be with us for the summer. And, you know, like the schedule was constantly sure. one year we were doing one thing, you know, as they grow, you adjust. Right. Yeah. Um. So she was with us at times. And then, you know, six months after starting my law practice, in fact, funny story, on the way home from the event that I went to in Arizona where I met Liz Dennery Sanders, literally on the way home, I realized that I was pregnant. So Aww. I got home and I was like, I need to go to a drugstore and get like a pregnancy test. So I did that and found out that I was pregnant. So literally six months into starting my business. Wow. Um, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. And were you, was this, um, were you guys planning it? Were you talking about it? Hell were no, you- I don't do... <laughs> Listen, we planned nothing when it comes to these children. Every single one of them was a surprise. It was like, surprise, you're pregnant. Surprise again, you're pregnant again. (laughs) Great at business planning. I'm terrible at family planning, apparently. (laughs) Wow. Okay, so six months into this new business, you still have your legal firm and you're now pregnant. Yes. And it was actually after that point that I started teaching other lawyers. And so it was like, it was actually during my pregnancy. So that summer I had worked on like creating a class and then I launched it like in September. And it's so funny. Launched it, made a, you know, a bunch of money, which at the time was like, I don't know, $4,000. I think I made from selling a course because it was like 200 bucks a person, which is insane for what I was teaching them. Yeah, But (laughs) some of them, one of the women actually who took my class way back then she came to an event that I did last year and told me she made $400,000 in her law practice from what I taught her. Like she had a $400,000 wow. a year law practice from what I taught her way back then. Isn't that crazy? I was like, that is the best story ever. That's amazing. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> but anyway, so I made like $4,000, which was enough to pay my like cheap ass rent for like four months. So I was like, great, maternity leave done, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's why I did it. But my daughter came two weeks early in the middle of the class. So oh literally, I ha- I was like, class is canceled because I'm in labor. <laughs> oh, my God. And so I had to, like, push it back two weeks. So I was like, OK, you know, no class for two weeks. And then we'll come back and finish the last two lessons. And so, you know, I was there teaching my class with my three-week-old, like, on the boob. And I'm teaching oh. the class. Wow. So it was hilarious. So this has been my journey. Like just, you know, figure it out, make it work, you know, the whole way through. Uh, and that's what it's been. So yeah. So now, now I have like, we have a nanny, we have, a, I have a personal assistant. Like now I have a bigger house. Like I have all kinds of help and stuff that I'm like, it's pure luxury. Cause yeah. this is all like, this did not start out this way. Yeah. <laughs> Not at Interesting. all. Well, and your husband is also ex- extremely supportive. You've talked about that, that you yeah. guys have like a really great, you're a great team. Yes, for sure. Um, he's basically like the opposite of me in <laughs> almost every way, which is hilarious. But um, yeah, he's supportive. And I had like several times throughout this journey, I have, he's worked at times, he's been in school at times while I've been building this law practice um, and, and my business beyond that. Um, and there were a few times where I literally talked him into quitting his job (laughs) because I was like, listen, literally I had my daughter Riley and I'm like just celebrated year one year in business in September. And then she was born September, 2011, sorry, October, 2011. Um, and so, you know, then the following year 
now we're in, you know, September 2012 and or uh, sorry, October 2012. And it's my daughter's birthday the next day. And I was like, you know, something's not right. I feel weird. I'm like, I can't be that I'm pregnant. But like, let me just take a (laughs) test just to be sure. Sure enough, I'm pregnant. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. I literally didn't tell my husband. I had to sit on that for 24 hours. I was like, I'm going to need to process this because it can't be real. Wow. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so then I was pregnant again, you oh. know, in year, like, what am I, in year two of my business yeah. at that yeah. point? And that wound up being a high risk pregnancy. I was on bed rest for four months. And like basically blew my whole business up like to the next level because I was literally in bed with a laptop all day, every day because I couldn't do anything. Like literally it was like legit bed rest where you can get out to use the bathroom and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, So yeah. So my husband had to do everything, um, including like take care of my daughter, you know, and I remember every evening, you know, she would come in after being at like preschool for a few hours. She would come in and we'd watch Bones together. Like, like that's Aww. appropriate <laughs> for like an 18-month-old. <laughs> but I just remember she, we would watch Bones. I, the music would come on. She yeah. like danced to the music. She would fall asleep like five, ten minutes into it anyway. But yeah. like we would, we would just watch TV on my laptop in bed, you know, after I worked yeah. all day. But because I needed the distraction because a high-risk pregnancy, first of all, you're worried about your baby. Sure. Um, and then, of course, you can't do anything. So yeah. so I just use that time to like, okay, I'm going to like, you know, write, you know, presentations and I'm going to write blog posts and I'm going to like, I just did everything that I could think of in terms of marketing um, whenever I had time because I didn't have, like I had clients and I got the work done for them too, but then I had more time. So that's what I wound up uh, doing with my time and my business, like I think at 5X that year. How did the rest of the pregnancy and birth go? It was fine. He came early. Um, so Riley was two weeks early. My son Jackson was four weeks early. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, he came early and then we were like, okay, we wanted to move back to um, New Jersey because we had a house there. So we were like, let's go back to Jersey, live in our house, kick out our tenants. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we did. And I launched, I created a digital product during that time. I mean, I was, that was like probably the most productive year of my life. <laughs> that's incredible. And two uh, babies. I mean, you like for me, I'll speak for myself. And this is just what's so interesting. Like when I had my son, and this is part of what the birthing of the podcast was, I was so stuck. I was so, I had postpartum depression. It went undiagnosed for two and a half years. And that was because I didn't know that I had it and I didn't ask for help. But if I would have, I would have gotten treatment. But, but I could barely function just on the day to day. Now I didn't have my husband at the time. I'm divorced now. My husband at the time was out of the country, out of the town, out of town and then out of the country. So I was alone. But more than that, I just, I just didn't have. And then once he was in, my son was in preschool and I had also gotten treatment for the postpartum and I was in therapy and stuff. I was like ready to be productive again. And I started working. I was, I was a bookkeeper at the time. And then I started writing a novel. I hired a writing coach. I was like, I'm going to write a novel. And I was like, wow, you know, where's this woman been, you know? Yes. And so for me, what's interesting is listening to you talk and your experience is that here you are with a babe at the breast. Mm-hmm. and and birthing another one and you're just full on creating this 
business. Yeah. That is so impressive to me. And like, I just, I love how you, and just in talking to you just in the last 30 minutes, like you just have a very like, this is such an old fashioned phrase, but like a very can do attitude. Like you see something you want and you're like, Oh no, I'm going to do that. Oh no. Yeah. I have a baby at my, you know, breastfeeding and there's one that's, you know, I can't get out of the bed because he might come out too early, but I'm still going to do it. Like, duh. like that is amazing. Well, to be honest, I think part of it is like necessity, you know, like I just felt, I felt like, okay, this sense of, urgency and responsibility to take care of these children. And remember, I had I still had that pile of law school loans, you know, so I really didn't. And I was the breadwinner for my family. My husband was in school at the time and like working part time jobs while he was in school finishing his bachelor's degree in economics. So, you know, I was kind of like, it's on me, you know, and and also, too, I already had this thing going and it was working and it was making money. So I was like, the last thing I want to do is lose momentum. You know, I don't even think it lit- I literally don't think it ever occurred to me like, oh, maybe you should stop working. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think it never even like crossed my mind like that, that that was something I should think about doing. <laughs> OK, so you're killing it. You're a mom. You have this. Business, you you have like, I mean, really, you're still, are you still practicing law? I'm still practicing law. Yeah. And the reason why I'm laughing when you say killing it is because, so like, (laughs) we, I had my baby. He was great. He was literally born one day shy of full term, literally 35 weeks and six days. Wow. Um, So he hung on. So then we were like, let's move back home. So we moved across the country to New Jersey. I, we moved back into our house. Our house was a disaster from the tenants. So we had to have like carpet picked up and like things removed. It was just, it was devastating when I walked back into my house. Um, so we had to have a whole bunch of work done that we really wasn't planning on, you know? Um, and I have launched this product, small business bodyguard, super successful launch. We made like $80,000 from like the first week of sales, which was great. So all of this is happening. And then I get to on the other side of that launch, we move into our house and I have basically, I don't want to say a nervous breakdown, but (laughs) something close Mm. to that where I'm like holding it together for all this time. And it's kind of like, you know, as women, it's almost like, let me schedule. When would be a good time for me to have a nervous (laughs) breakdown? Can't do it now because I'm pregnant. Can't do it right now because I just got to launch this product. But we we're moving, so there's no time for a nervous breakdown, Rachel. <laughs> but as soon as all that was over and we were in our house, it was like, Bleh, uh, you know, yeah. So I literally called my assistant, like sobbing, and said, like, I need you to clear my schedule for like the next month. Like, I can't, I can't. Yeah, you know, I yeah. just can't do anything. Um, I couldn't think. I couldn't because I had all these clients to serve too. And yeah. some of it, you know, there's a lot of, especially with transactional work, there's a lot of like starting things and then waiting a couple of weeks for things to develop. And then it's, you know, you move one thing forward and then you're waiting another month, you know? So it was that kind of thing. So I had put off taking action on a few things, you know, not in a way that harmed the client, but it was just kind of like you, you have a little bit of wiggle room when you're practicing law. Anyway, so I had all this stuff waiting for me to do. And I was just like, I can't do any of it. Like, I can't even handle a phone call. I remember we had a dispute we were handling during that time. And the other attorney was such an asshole. Um, And it was just like all of it. I was just like, 
no, I just don't have the mental capacity to do it. I don't know what to tell you. Like there was nothing else I could say. So, you know, I told my assistant, she called my, you know, law school classmate who had helped me out before during, you know, um, maternity leave and was like, hey, can you handle all of this stuff? Um, and we'll just, you know, I paid him, I think half of what I, he was just starting his practice. So I paid him half of, of, uh, the, you know, all of the fees and he just handled things. And I just like had a mental month of veg, <laughs> you know, laying on the couch, you know, watching Downton Abbey. <clears throat> you needed some downtime. Yeah. You've been running a marathon. Yeah. And, and my husband and I Whilst went to giving birth to two yes. children. <laughs> oh my God. It was bananas. Yeah. I remember during that time, people would always say to me like, you're amazing. I can't believe all you've accomplished. You're superwoman. And I remember every time, like superwoman is like my trigger word, you know, because everybody, every time someone would mention it and I'd be like, but I don't want to be superwoman, mm. you know, like I don't want to have to work this hard. I don't want it to be this challenging. And I don't even thought, I don't even think I thought like, oh, this is painful or, oh, this is a challenge. It's almost like I just keep going until I realize mm, can't go anymore. And then I'm like, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I really needed to learn. And that's the thing I think that I lacked. And I don't think my mom had really good practices with this. Um, I really needed to learn how to take really good care of myself. And it's almost like, you know, I've heard it put this way that like, especially as an entrepreneur or, you know, if you're the breadwinner for your family, you have to see yourself almost like a thoroughbred, right? Like, or, you know, uh, an athlete, right? Like you need to take care of yourself at that level. Because, you know, you're like a prize winning horse, right? Like you, you are capable of generating a lot of money and taking care of a lot of people. And in order to do that, you got to take care of yourself first. Yeah. So that was a lesson that I needed to learn. And I didn't necessarily learn it that, that year. But what I did do was I hired my first associate in my law practice. And I made my part time assistant full time. Because yeah. I was like, mm -mm, can't go on like this. So I used a lot of the money that I had made from my small business bodyguard launch to um, cover the cost of bringing on an associate and, and an assistant. And then we were like, okay, now it's a real business. Now I don't have to do everything. I also yeah. went to marriage counseling during that time because my husband was like, um, I feel like we haven't talked and haven't, you know, like connected in a really yeah. long time. Yeah. And he was feeling neglected and... So we went to premarital. So it was kind of like, okay, I broke everything. <laughs> Let's fix it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, or basically yeah. we collectively broke everything, honestly. Sure. Um, let's rebuild it all now. And luckily, because I had been hustling, I yeah. had the capital to have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> like, yeah. I've got some cash in the bank. I've got some time. So ladies, when you're scheduling your nervous breakdown, if you can do it after at least even a small windfall, exactly. that's optimal. <laughs> that would um, be ideal. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's true though. And, and we talk about this and I've talked about this in the show. Like it is really helpful to have those resources. And I think we're in a time now where, and I love this theme in your life of other women saying to you, you can do this for yourself. You can make this money for yourself. Like for me, I was not told that growing up. Yeah. I was told marry a wealthy man. I didn't do that. <laughs> I married a man I fell deeply in love with who yeah. wasn't wealthy, but it didn't, it didn't matter. I, I didn't have that belief system set in place of like, Oh, I'm, even though I'm a woman, <laughs> I'm fully capable of 
you know, making a lot of money. And I love, uh, I, I really, because I've switched a lot of that now, obviously, like running my own business and having the show and uh, being a single parent now. And um, uh, is that uh, the share quote? Uh, my mom told me to marry a rich man. And I said, Mom, I am a rich man. Have you heard <laughs> <Yes>. that? <laughs> so good. I love it so much. <laughs> I love it too. I love it too. And we're seeing more of that, I think, but it's still, I think we have a, a long way to go. How do you feel about that? Because you have daughters. Yeah. Oh, I'm all about it. And I teach them, you know, yeah. that it's important to to prioritize making money because really money is a resource, creates the ability to take care of yourself, you know? So yeah, it's so funny because my daughter... <laughs> It's the cutest thing. She would like take she would like make little things, like make like art. You know, she made like a little sculpture. She would make a picture that she painted. And then she would go around the house. And it was the cutest thing. She like set it up in like a little wagon, like all of her things that she had to sell, like bracelets and things she made. This is at six years old. She's doing this. And so she's taking her little wagon around and she's like, you know, this thing is a dollar. This thing is a dollar fifty. This one's 50 cents. And I remember her coming back to me sobbing and saying, no one wants to buy my stuff. And she was like devastated that no one would buy anything. She made a book. I think it was the cutest thing. And so, you know, I said to her, I said, you know, we have to do a good job of like conveying value if we want people to buy our stuff. Like, let me teach you about marketing right now, you know? <laughs> and then I bought one of her books or whatever. So, but, you know, she really understands it. And it's so funny. One time I came into her room, she's sitting on her bed counting her money. <laughs> she has like $17 and she thinks yeah. she's rich and they're all yeah. singles that of she course. got from like the tooth fairy, from cleaning yeah. her room and getting paid a dollar or cleaning up the living room or whatever. Sure. Um, she's got $17. She's got a wallet. And every now and then she takes it out and she likes to count it. She's yeah. had that $17 for like a year. That's adorable. <laughs> she needs to get back to work so she can, you know. Build it. Yeah. yeah she needs to build it. Invest it. it. Get some interest payments on it. And grow your nest egg. <laughs> but that's so true. It feels good to have that like earning, you know, just know that you have that earning capacity for yourself and you can be self-supporting and self-sustaining. Yeah. And that you should be proud of your money and you should be proud of making money. And it's not yes. something to feel shame about because I think with women, it's kind of like we all need to be altruistic. And yes, I help people 100%, but I also deserve to get paid for the value of my work. I think we undercharge our, you know, for our services. And, you know, I, I think that is pervasive in our society. And that's something that I'm setting out to change. And that's why I'm so vocal about how much I'm making. And I always talk to women about their money and like know your money, look at your money, love it, roll around in it, you know? <laughs> like you need to know these things because that's how you get more of it and there's no shame in in being successful because that's essentially what society tells us. You should feel ashamed for wanting money or talking about money or whatever. And I'm if like If you're a woman. Yeah, only if you're, if you're a, a man. If yeah. you're a man, you should be exceedingly proud, you yes. know? Yes. So, I'm like, nope. No, thank yeah. you. You're saying in true Rachel form, everyone else is doing that. Fuck that. I'm going to do something else. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I think we need t-shirts that say that. So <laughs> currently I want to, I want to hear, well, two things, three things. You had another baby. <laughs> I sure did. 
<laughs> How old is the baby now? He is eight months. Oh my God. He's still so little. Yes. So yummy. Um, so that's amazing. You have million dollar badass mm-hmm. and seven. Hello Seven is the Hello name. Hello Seven. Of, yeah, that's the name of the company. And Million the Dollar Badass is the mastermind and the podcast. So I want to hear about the company and how you help women because I I've gotten the chance to meet some of the women in person at your uh, event yeah. here in Los Angeles. That was really amazing. Can you tell me how that came about? How the, how you birthed that? Yes. And what it's what's what it's like now doing that business and and inspiring so many hundreds and hundreds and thousands of women, really. I was running, I ran my law practice for about seven years and, you know, slowly realized that, you know, being behind a computer and drafting contracts was probably not the best use of my talents. Um, And also I was just stopped enjoying it. And so I wanted to transition into coaching because I felt like I was doing a lot of that, but doing it for free, (laughs) you know, where I was like, I had a legal client, they'd come to me, I'd give them advice about how to grow their business. They'd use that as that advice. They'd make more money. And I'd be like, hmm, I feel like I should be charging for this. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I eventually decided that that's what I was going to do. And so I, I took a coaching certification just so I could learn more and just have more tools. Um, and then started to transition. My business started winding down the law practice, taking less and less clients, not renewing clients who were up for renewal, um, and then started taking on coaching clients. So I kind of wound one down while winding the other up. Um, And then I did, you know, I did all kinds of coaching. Like I did a retreat in France. I did one day like VIP days and one-on-one coaching, group coaching, all these things. And I like exhausted myself doing way too much uh, as per usual. That's also a theme (laughs) in my life. Um, And then I was like, "Mm, there's got to be a better way. And then Mm -hmm. I realized, you know, what I really wanted to do was serve the segment of the market that I feel like is getting underserved, which is Women entrepreneurs that are at 100K in revenue, which is like the holy grail, get to six figures. Um, but they, you know, realize that actually 100K is not that much money, doesn't go as far as it used to. Um, and now they want to get to seven figures. And I feel like it's basically a no man's land. There is no um, business training for women entrepreneurs, especially for women entrepreneurs who want to scale from six figures to seven figures. All of the training out there is all men. So it's all, and it's all, not only all men, it's all white men that are teaching. And so you go into these spaces where there's these events or part of these communities where you're the only woman or you're one of three. And if you're a person of color or a woman of color, especially, you're the only. And I mean, this is out of groups of hundreds of people. You're the only woman of color. It's pathetic. It really is ridiculous. And of course, with that comes you know, racist comments, you know, sexist, stupid comments, dick joke after dick joke. Let's, you know, think people say things like, let's hear some lady wins as if that's different from a regular win. You know, are you serious? Lady wins? That is so offensive. Listen, and it's like, it's like every day. Like, it's almost like you don't even see it because it's so constant, you know? Yes, yes. Um, And so... But it's like, these are the spaces that women who want advanced business strategy are going into because there's no other options. Yeah, that's all that's available. Yeah, Yeah. and I was like, fuck that. I'm going to create another option because I, you know, my law practice was at 700,000 when I stopped practicing law. Um, And then, you know, as we were building out the coaching, our first year doing our, you know, focused on coaching, we did a million. 
And so I knew how to teach, how to hit those kinds of numbers. Um, and I knew what strategies worked. And so I decided that I was going to create a mastermind just for women that we were going to specifically, you know, recruit women of color to be a part of this, that it was going to be a diverse community um, and inclusive for us and by us, you know. Um, and so that's what I set out to create. And it was such a need, like people find us and they're like, oh, thank God, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's been absolute delight. And we've had several of our clients hit a million um, and several and pretty much every single one, like literally, I don't think I have a client who's not making bank compared to what they were making before they started the program. So we've just had huge success with it. And I love it so much. Um, so and it's honestly, it's the hardest work I've ever done. It's way harder than practicing law. You know, there's so many so much emotion that you're dealing with. And, yeah. you know, people sometimes they see their business as themselves. If business isn't going well, then they're judging themselves as a bad person. You know, women can be very hard on themselves. And mm. so, you know, it's it's challenging work, but it's also very meaningful and very rewarding. And so when women are making more money, they are investing in their children. They are investing in their communities. They are making the world a better place. Um, and so I feel like I'm contributing to making the world a better place by helping all these women make bank. And so that is my personal mission in life. Um, and I freaking love it. So. Oh, so awesome. So awesome. And so now you have a podcast also. Can you tell tell us about the podcast? Yeah. So the podcast is called Million Dollar Badass. And uh, what I wanted to do was I felt like, you know, there's not, again, when you listen to podcasts about business, it's all white men, you know, and there's some women, um, but not a lot. And, you know, even the women, it's like all white women. Every interview is either a white man or a white woman, but mostly white men, you know? And I was just like, fuck that. There are very accomplished women of color <laughs> that are making millions that need to be like acknowledged and we need to hear their stories. Um, and I feel like women need to hear their stories. They need to see more women like them accomplishing these big goals. Um, and so that's what I wanted to do. So I was like, we are going to interview women of color making a million dollars or more, billion dollar badasses, basically. Yes. Um, and we have we have white women on the um, on the podcast, too. But, you know, to me, it's like we're going to have, you know, a lot of women of color because I feel like we need to show the world that they exist. And actually, our first episode was really about Madam C.J. Walker, who was the first female millionaire in America, was a black woman. And so I was like, the world needs to know this woman's story. And there's like not enough talk about her. We need to talk about her the same way we talk about MLK, you know? Yes. yes. Um, we, we don't. So um, anyway, so I, I actually had her, uh, I think it's her great, great, great granddaughter was on the podcast. Oh, that's so cool. I happened to have a connection with her from one of my former clients went to Harvard with her. And so I, and she's a historian of Madam C.J. Walker. She wrote a book about her and they're actually developing a Netflix series about her. So was, that was my first episode. Everybody loved it. So it was, it's just been great. And it's just really to tell stories of amazing women who are making bank so that other women can get inspired and realize that is 100% possible for all of us if we want it. Yeah. I love that. And um, just for my listeners, we're going to be including a link to Rachel's podcast in the show notes so you can find her there. And then also, can you say the name of your website? Just so we'll have it in the show notes, but can you say it? Yeah, it's hello7.co. Okay, great. 
Oh my gosh. I, it, this always happens. Like I could talk to you for another hour, but I know I, we only have a limited amount of time, but I'm going to, um, you're just so delightful. And, um, I'm going to go ahead and start the question round. Yes. Ooh, this sounds fun. So the first question, Rachel, is what do you think about when you hear the word MILF? <laughs> what a great question. So what do I think about? <laughs> is this my honest answer or my PC yeah, answer? <laughs> of course. No, no, no. There's, there's no need to be PC here. <laughs> well, what I think about is... Um, who was that movie that it's from? American Pie. That's exactly, I think about American Pie. Yeah. But then I also think about, what I think about is moms who are hot, you know, mm. like moms who, you know, and, and what I think of is not just ho- like hot in the terms of whatever, you know, stupid frat boys think is hot. But I'm referring to like moms who take care of themselves, who look good, who feel good, who exude that kind of confidence. That's moms that you think are hot. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Who who think themselves are hot. You That's know, right. That's really That's what right. it's about. Because when you yeah. have that confidence, you're like just, you know. It's sexy. Exactly. It's very attractive. Yeah. You know, it yeah. doesn't matter what you look like. There's not a size. And yeah. that's really what I want women to know. Because I think sometimes women think like, oh, I have to look just like this or just like whatever Playboy model. And it's like that shit, you know, the reality is, is that if we all looked exactly the same, it would be very, very boring, you know, yes. and there's beauty in every size and every representation of the body. And so, you know, I always tell my 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 clients, like, you've got to like, I encourage them to exercise because of the the mental stimulation that happens. Yes. You know, you feel yes. good. And yes. you know, there's it's chemicals like, that are released. Like it's yes. just a chemistry thing. It's, it's not like even drugs. about like losing inches or anything, but exactly. it's just, yeah, it is. And I tell them that all the time, like fuck losing weight. Who gives a shit? Like let's, yeah. <laughs> let's do this for our mental health. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm so with you. Um, and I've talked about this in the show too, but I do, uh, pole dancing at a class. Oh, I love Um, that. It's so fun. When you come to LA, you'll have to come to a class with me. And it's, it's in a dark room with no mirrors. It's all women. (gasps) Wow. How brilliant. Oh, it's so brilliant. It's Sheila Kelly's um, studio. And, you know, really it's women of all sizes and ages and shapes and there it's really taught me because we witness each other dancing yes. in this in this space so like you are the mirror like if you're dancing i'm the mirror for you like cheering right. you on and and you start to feel this inner sexy that has nothing to do with a, an actual mirror yes. or the size of your ass or you know like the size of anything on your body it's really just about this feeling and like feeling the curves of your body and your femininity and like I love admiring that. how beautiful that is in each and every single woman that's in that grace the doors of that yes. place. And it's so amazing to see women empowered in their sensuality yes. and emboldened to be like, fuck yeah, I'm sexy. Like, you know, it's, it's, I love it so much. And it's just really, I want it. I, if I could give that to every woman in the world, yeah, like wave a magic wand and just, I mean, you have to, we have to all earn it, you know, but, um, I would, I would hope that we can maybe in future generations of girls have that thing of like, no, it's not about looking like the stupid billboard with the wet Republic bikinis and the tank shooting out. I don't, you probably don't have that in North Carolina, but (laughs) 
That's so we ridiculous. have our own versions, trust oh me. Oh my God, it's ridiculous. Okay, I'm digressing. <laughs> uh, what is something, Rachel, that you've changed your mind about recently? I think the thing that I've changed my mind about, speaking of working out, is Pilates, randomly enough. <laughs> mm. In what sense? <laughs> well, because... Um, I think I've, I've tried Pilates before and I was like, this is super hard and it's not for me. And I used to think that I couldn't do challenging fitness things like that wasn't for me. You know, I'll go for a walk or whatever. I'm too evolved. I'm too intellectual to care about hardcore fitness or whatever, you know. Uh-huh. And so after I had my son Jet, I was like, I want to do Pilates because I wanted to get my strength back. And I don't know. I just wanted to challenge myself. And I was like, let me try it. Because what I realized is. I don't like I don't like lifting weights. I don't like I don't like working out that's like too exciting. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like living in the country, like what we talked about at the beginning. Yes. It's like when I work out, I need it to be more relaxing yes. and like chill vibes. Yes. So I was like, let me try Pilates. And so I tried it. Pilates reformer. By the way, just to bring this full circle, this is also advice Liz Denery Sanders gave me like freaking eight years ago that I finally decided to take. <laughs> she's been doing Pilates Reformer for years. And she's yes. like, it's the best thing ever. And I'm obsessed. I yeah. go three times a week and it's I love incredible. it. My and it produces strength. results oh my of God. being strong. Yes. I feel amazing. And I'm like, yo, I am a fucking badass. You know? Yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. That shit is hard. I went this morning. Yeah, and my Pilates teacher Dano is no joke. It's like, and you know this because you do Pilates. He'd be like, "Okay, so lay on your stomach and do this, and it will be on the reformer, and we have straps or not straps." Right. And it's like, do this movement, and literally, it's a movement of like an inch. Yes, oh, those and are the I'm worst. Dying. I'm like, ah, ah, and I'm like <laughs> screaming. <laughs> I did this story on Instagram because I was like. I want to show people what this is really like. So I did this montage a couple of weeks ago <laughs> of me screaming in different <laughs> positions in Pilates. Cause I, I'm like, it could look in a snapshot, like, Oh, look at this elegant pose. And it's like, no, it is not like that. It is me screaming in just agony. Like how many left? How many I left? know. Seriously. The worst <laughs> word to hear in Pilates is pulse. Yeah. The word pulse. I'm like, no, you bitch. <laughs> But then you leave and you're like, oh my God, my legs feel stronger. Yes. I feel, and I feel energized and I, you know. It's 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 the best thing ever. I'm obsessed. I love it. Okay. How do you define success? Ooh, you know what? I think I defined success as just feeling good and happy every day. Mm. And I think if I have too many days where I'm like, mm, I'm feeling run down, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm feeling cranky. Like if I'm not feeling joyful every day, then mm-hmm. I'm like, what do I need to change? Yeah. And then I, I make some adjustments. Sometimes it's like, I need to hire some more help or yeah. I need to stop committing to something that I committed to that sucks. And stop yeah. doing that, you know? Yeah. Or whatever. I need to ha- have a hard conversation with somebody I have a relationship with, right? Or I need yeah. to take better care of myself, whatever it is. But I always like, I don't like to go, if I find myself going a whole week where every day I'm just kind of like, meh, you know? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. fuck that. What needs to change? Yeah. <laughs> That's what the t-shirt's going to say. Fuck that. I'm doing something different. Yes. It'll say one on the front and one on the back. I love yes. it. Okay. Uh, we're going to go into the lightning round. So ocean or desert? Ocean. Favorite junk food? Chocolate. Movies or Broadway show? Broadway show. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Daytime sex. <laughs> Texting or talking? talking cat person or dog person 
dog person. Have you ever worn a unitard? <laughs> I have. <laughs> <laughs> I totally have. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you already said this, but so ice ice cream or chocolate? Uh, definitely chocolate. I think yeah. ice cream is totally overrated. What kind of chocolate? <laughs> Dark chocolate. Ooh. Preferably with hazelnuts in it. Oh, yes. I don't like milk chocolate is dead to me. I only like dark chocolate. Got it. Yes. Okay. Uh, On a scale of one to 10, how good are you at ping pong? (laughs) I think I'm a two. (laughs) (laughs) What is your biggest pet peeve? People who say, people who complain too much. Mm. If you could push a button and it would make everyone in the world 7% happier, but it would also place a worldwide ban on all hairstyling products, would you push it? I would 100% push it. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I use a, I use a decent amount of product too. <laughs> <laughs> decent amount. I love it. A decent amount. A decent amount. Not an obscene amount. A decent amount. Decent amount. Oh, <laughs> uh, so cute. Superpower choice. Invisibility or ability to fly? Definitely ability to fly. Hmm. Would you rather have six fingers on both hands or a belly button that looks like foreskin. <laughs> I'll take the sixth finger. That'll be helpful. It'll be useful. You get more done. <laughs> what was the name of your first pet? Cookie. What was the name of the street you grew up on? 45th Avenue. So your porn name is <laughs> Cookie 45th. That sounds like... I think she's got a contract with Capitol Records. (laughs) Cookie 45th or Cookie 45. That's Cookie 45. That's better. Cookie 45. Yeah. That sounds, that's a good ass name. Somebody should take that. That's a great name. She's an R&B artist or a rap (laughs) star. I'd like to welcome to the stage, ladies and gentlemen, Cookie 45. Right? Hilarious. <laughs> oh my God, Rachel, you're such a treat. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Rachel. If you head on over to milfpodcast.com, you can access any show notes for the show and a full transcript of the show. Any of the stuff we talked about, there will be links. Rachel's website, her social media, all of that stuff is on there. And while you're there, please, please, please subscribe to the show. No matter what platform you're listening on, most of them have a way to subscribe. And it really helps me, helps my numbers and helps me keep being able to give this to you guys every week for free. I love doing it. It's such a passion project for me. And I've learned so much and I've gotten the opportunity to meet so many phenomenal remarkable women and bring those conversations to you that uh, I want to keep doing it. So please subscribe. Please take a moment and write an iTunes review. And remember that for every iTunes review I get in the month of April, I will be donating $25 to Children's Defense Fund. Next week on the show, we have CEO and co-founder of Cool House Ice Cream, Natasha Case. On the show, I went to the Cool House headquarters and interviewed her there. And it was amazing. And afterwards, I did get to go next door to their brick and mortar uh, ice cream shop in Culver City. And they gave me ice cream. It was phenomenal. Anyway, I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.